All right, so there's a warning. I don't put too many warnings uh, before podcast episodes, but from the title that you're looking at, you can see that this one, we're going to talk about grief. And that uh, that touches people in different ways, and it can upset people, myself included. Like Some days you want to talk about grief and death and losing people and what it does and what it does to people left behind, and some days you don't. So this is just sort of a heads up as we're going to talk about that. And I get a, something happens to my eyes in this episode. I just must be like uh, like someone cut an onion or something. I get a little upset. You might be able to hear it. My voice goes a little higher pitched. And <clears throat> my co-hosts, uh, Rebecca and Elise, the same thing. Because we're talking about real stuff that has really affected us in our lives. And it is still affecting us and will still affect us. The uh, The way we do this is we have a weekly live stream with the uh, myself and these uh, two lovely women. And we did not plan on this, uh, of this being the topic, until a few minutes before. I, we sort of like that off the cuff, like what is happening in our life and then how can we talk about it so that you get to learn from it or not in agreement and go, yeah, oh yeah, okay. Or, oh, I've never thought about that. It's, that's it, man. We try to share information, right? Uh, make good stuff well-known and share it. And today, uh, for one reason, I won't say who, uh, one of us had said, hey, thinking a lot about grief, so let's talk about that. And we've all experienced it in some ways, large, small, uh, deep, superficial, um, in different parts of our lives. So it's touched me a couple different ways, so you're going to hear that. And I haven't talked about it a lot, even though in the last year and a half, uh, I got hit with it pretty hard twice. Uh, and it's with both my parents in a row, almost a year apart. Parents, they're always in sync. Um, so I talk about that for the first time, really in depth, uh, or maybe for the second time, really in depth uh, on this show. So you're going to dig into that. But I wanted to sort of just listen, man, if it ain't the time for this episode, it ain't the time for this episode. I, I wanted to make sure you got that. Um, and if it is, I hope you get something out of it. And if you get something out of it, um, tell me. Uh, I'm, I'm a podcaster, but I do like to hear from you because I can't see you or hear from you. That's the way this camera microphone works. It sort of goes in one direction. But you can DM me and just let me know if you got value from this or any of the things that we share on this ridiculous podcast that was started off kind of like a goof eight years ago. Eight years. It's wild. And we're about to cross the 5 million download mark. That's wild too. Um, so I, d I definitely wanted to give you a heads up. Uh, on what we're going to talk about today. But the title of the episode is called Good Grief. So I think you understand. Well, no, maybe maybe that sounds tongue-in-cheek. It's not tongue-in-cheek. It, let me try that again. It's not tongue-in-cheek. We're talking about grief. Uh, do you want to say thanks to um, ATI? They're bringing me to CSM this year. I'm going to hang out there. They let me like take up space at their booth in the expo hall at CSM in Boston and do a bunch of podcast episodes. Say hi. Maybe, maybe you don't want to DM me about this episode. Maybe you want to just say, hey, what's up? I heard that one. You know, liked it, hated it, whatever. Uh, but thank you to ATI for doing that. Um, if you would like to jumpstart your career, ATI has opportunities, large, small, left, right, blue, red, like all sorts of different things, all different ways. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. All different ways. Whatever physical therapy or healthcare or helping people or connecting to people means to you, they probably have a way for you to do that. So take a look at ATIPT.com to see what opportunities you have. Maybe you just pass the NPTE. Congrats. And you're like, wait, what do I do now? Just, just take a look at what they have. Take a look at lots of places and decide what's right for you. Uh, one of those 
might be ATI. But thank you for them for supporting the show and bringing me to CSM. Uh, and without further ado, and you know how much I love ado, uh, let's get into this uh, this topic of grief. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're live. Talking to you today, uh, I am joined by Elise and Rebecca, the P the ED DPT and the Onco PT, and I am Jimmy. I don't really have a name. The, the PTPT. Be the PTPT. I like that. Um, uh, good morning. It's good. It's good mid morning for for me. But good morning to Rebecca because she's in the great state of Colorado. The best. I would have to say, and this is not. We're going to talk about grief today. But before we do that, I, I mentioned this to you the other day. Colorado has number one or number two best state flag. So I think it's you in California. Yeah, I like the bear though. I do like the California bear. The New York the ones. I'm not. I'm not in love with it. There's nothing to write home about. At least, I mean, but it, is it as Texas. recognizable as Texas's state flag? Texas look reminds me of Puerto Rico. Notorious, you mean? As notorious as mm. the Texas state flag? I mean, that's pretty. valid. That is valid. <laughs> I didn't think we were going to get into this. But you know how, like, they make, like, those, like, cool things where you can get, like, jewelry in the shape of your state or, like, one yeah. of those beer things where you can put yeah. a beer from... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Colorado's is just a it's just a square. Well, so notice we, that like, like the so states and the, this. What was the guy from the Daily Show who wound up doing the the show called How the States Got Their Shapes? That's a show. It's a pretty intriguing one. I think it's made for kids, but like I'm I'm drawn it. And they talk <laughs> about how they got shaped. But look at it, when you go east to west, like Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, like New York, like Maryland is insane. Pennsylvania is kind of a big rectangle, right? Kind of weird. And then as you go out west. They get very square, very yeah. geometric. So yeah, oh, that's why we have to have a snazzy flag because our state shape, uh, yeah. state shape is. It's a box. It's good. I mean, it's a it's a square. Yeah. It's a square. I have no idea how I'm going to radio segue from. I did not plan on the intro being about state flags in Colorado and states, states and their shapes. Uh, and now we're going to talk about grief. We sort of get together. We do this live stream. It's sort of like an accountability thing. To flex our muscles because all three of us podcast or create content. So this is a way that we don't have to. I like it because I don't have to do everything here. Not that I have to do everything with a guest, but you do a lot as a host. Here, right. we're all three hosts. So it's like I can pass the ball and then I can just sit back and just sip a you know espresso and be like, okay, you guys take over. And just <laughs> before we, we go live, we talk about what are we going to talk about today. And I, I usually like to prompt like, what are you excited about, thinking about, worried about, scared about, whatever. And let's talk about that because it's real. And we decided upon grief today. So why grief? Uh, anybody can answer. And then I'll jump in as well. What is it? I think we have to define it first. Oh. Not the official definition. Your definition. How do you define grief? I'm going to steal someone else's. I'm going to go last because you won't be able to top this guy's definition. Ooh. I, well, I'll, I'm going to steal somebody else's as well. So I think it was Andrew Garfield. Uh, who I was said, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy. Sorry, Jimmy. We'll, we'll share it. This is Jimmy and I's, but like grief is love that we didn't get to express or, you know, share at the time of when the person was alive. It's much more poignant when Andrew says it, but I mean, I, I don't know that I've heard a better definition than like. When you hear his definition, you then say, you exhale and you go, oh, that's it. Like you just put where, so I have it pulled up. Oh, please. Yes. The grief. So he was on a late night talk show 
And I know how this goes because I worked in radio. Mm-hmm. The your people or you, you'll meet with the show that day or a week before. You'd be like, "What's on? What's on the docket? What are we talking about here? You know, what's happened? They're trying to get things to bring up." And oh, I don't remember. It was his mother that had passed away, or somebody mm-hmm. close to his mother. Yeah, Mom. okay. So his mother has passed away, and that probably was not even brought up by the show. He he likely brought that up, or his people said, "I would like to talk about this," and the wow. show probably went. We're sort of a light late night show. And then they, he probably, in an Andrew Garfieldy way, said, here's why. And so that's how that setup happened. It's not by accident, but it wasn't, I'm on, it's not scripted. I want to make sure we understand his definition or that interaction wasn't scripted. And then he said this, this was the quote. The grief that will remain with us until we pass, because we never get enough time with each other, no matter whether someone lives until they're 60 or 15 or 99. And then he said, I hope this grief stays with me. Because it's all the unexpressed love that I didn't get to tell her. And I told her every day she was the best of us. So like when you hear that, you're like, ooh, yep, that's it. There, I, And I like that because it's not a negative anymore. Now it's a positive. Mm-hmm. The way that I have heard that kind of similarly expressed is that grief is your receipt. Oh. It's, it's the thing that you show to the world to prove that you loved, that you yeah. had this great love. And you can hold it up in the air and say, I loved deeply. Yeah. I don't know where to go now. Oh, I'm already feeling the tears like, no. up, honestly, yeah. I, th- and you know, <clears throat> I, I'm in my early thirties. I've been really lucky up to this point that I haven't had a whole lot of my own friends and family die unexpectedly. So like I had, you know, grandparents who were older, you know, like we, we knew it was coming. We could, we could prepare for it. But this past year, actually 2023 was like a really rough year for me for grief wise, because it was the first time that I had people close to me who went far before their time. And that, that has been a really big learning experience for me. Um, I'm kind of curious how y'all have experienced grief in your own way. Cause like I've had grief. Yeah. I've like, I've done the grief, but now, I, now that I've had this different side of grief, it's like, Ooh, this is different. And we're unpacking a lot of things in therapy around grief for me personally right now. <laughs> I, I think I touched upon this a couple of times, right? I talked about it with Rebecca who was somebody, by the way, when I was going, I, I've gone through two types of grief in the last year and a half. And they're vastly different. It's with both my parents. And mm-hmm. I've, t- I've mentioned this a couple times, but I haven't really talked about it. But why not? It's free therapy. Let's get some. And <clears throat> so my mom died a year and a half ago, I think. This is the summer 2022. And that was after six months. So she had like, I kept like lying to her, not knowing. But I, she kept like getting sick. And I'd be like, all right, we got it. It's going to be great. We're going to get you better and go home. And we would. And then she'd get something else. <laughs> It was like final destination. It was like over and over and over. And I started to feel like I'm just like lying over and over. So she wind up, she had this weird statin induced myopathy. This is a thing we need to talk about because this is a thing I even have trouble Googling. People in the hospital didn't know what it was. Essentially, she'd been taking statins for years, like a good person taking her medication, right? Mm-hmm. And it induced this myopathy where she couldn't lift her hands to touch her hair. She couldn't wash her hair. She couldn't get up and down. And I'm like, but I didn't even know to look for this. So anyway, she had that. She was like dying, like laying in a bed, atrophying to death. And I'm like, is anyone else freaking out? I had to run into the hospital. I don't know if I told you this. I had to run into the hospital one day and be a complete asshole. 
because she was getting no attention. And I asked a friend and I just said, what are the words I needed to say at a hospital in a calm voice to make everyone panic? And she told me, because she used to work at that hospital. She was like, ask for the patient advocate, ask for the this, ask for the this. Essentially, pushing the button, being like, it, without having to scream and yell and break things, which is a negative, what I wanted to do it. I knew what the words to say, and then everybody's in the room. And then I was like, I have my boots on, and I was ready to put them somewhere, right? But I needed my mom to see, I'm here, and I'm going to lose my mind for you. So anyway, it's an aside, but we did that. Then she came home. Then she had a stroke at my house, and that wasn't fun. Uh, took, a, I mean, free ride, not a free ride, uh, very expensive ride in helicopter. I'm like, Hey, did you, what did you think about the helicopter? She's like, I don't remember. And I go, yeah, that's the downside of that. Yeah. Um, and then she came and then, uh, you know, was in rehab for that, but like talking, doing really well at a rehab hospital. I'm like, and I'm there. I am going, well, we're going to get you through this. I understand mm -hmm. this. And then, um, uh, she was about to, she went from acute to subacute and I'm like, we're getting there. You know, now you're five minutes away from my house, not 55 minutes away from my house. And then she, and then, uh, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So I was like, I have to come and tell you this. It's like, don't kill the messenger. But I also didn't want anybody else to tell her. I wanted to tell her, but you're also like, and I'm back. So, and then, we, then it was about six months, um, maybe less from when I told her that. Oh, it was, it was less. It was two months from when I told her that to when she wound up dying. But I was there like every day and I had like, I had these, we you know, I have these weird jobs where I do stuff and I can do stuff remotely, but I was checked out, man. Like kudos to anybody who listened to anything I share. I have not, I don't have, I don't have much recollection of anything going on then. That time period is weird. So that's, that was my first real, you know, I've had some people pass away on me and it sucks and there's grief there, but I think this is a really amped up version of it. Cause it's your mom, man. Like it's your mom or a sibling or your dad or like a close aunt, uncle or grandma, like or cousin, like those are, I don't know. It's different. It hits, it's closer. It's, it's closer. So when I heard Andrew Garfield, I was like, that's cool. Cause then you got to go home. Like we didn't throw, we didn't have a funeral by the way. I don't know if I told you this again. I haven't talked about mm -hmm. this podcast, so we're going to have word vomit now. Uh, she would have, she didn't, I didn't ask her what she wanted us to do. Cause again, who wants to ask your mom that like, who wants to spend 90 seconds on that? But I knew I was like, do what do you want me to, what are, you, what are your thoughts? And she was like, do whatever. And she hated funerals and knew that cause we'd been to funerals together. And she's like, I hate these things. She never said, don't do this for me. And then I just thought like, what would my mom want to do? So we threw like a, this pissed some people off, but I, we had a remembrance of life or a ceremony of life, but it was open bar. Like my mom loved parties, like, <laughs> and people are like, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, "Have you met my mom?" Like, this this wasn't. I think she would like it. Like, it was a no doubter. So we just I rented like a, a pavilion at like a really nice country club, and we had food. And my brother like is a we have music and food and an open bar. And I remember the bartender being like, "Well, this is like a celebration of life. Like, what's the tab?" And I was like. We're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do some damage here. Like I've got friends, and they're and they're like most fun, you know funerals. And I'm like not a funeral. So mm -hmm. yeah. fifteen hundred dollars, and I was like, oh, challenge accepted. Like yeah. I'm like, let me know when we hit five, and then just and then we'll throttle it back. And then she was like, like an hour and a half in, she's like, we're at five. I don't know what you're doing out there. And I go, oh, we are sad. What's <laughs> 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 happening? So that was my first. I told you I had two, but I'm going to pause there because that was my first. And But then, yeah, you got to go home Then the because the party's great. I mean, it's not great, but it's like there's people and you're not alone. Right. And you're talking about it and you're not alone in being pissed and sad. And then you go home. 
and that's us. Well, Jimmy, I want to acknowledge you for like grieving that whole time with your mom, because when the person you're about to lose knows they're about to die, you are grieving with them, you're fighting for them, you're walking them home. And I think that's, that's a whole different kind of grief. There's a grief when somebody dies unexpectedly. There's a grief when somebody dies expectedly. But when you have to, when you have to walk with somebody to the end and then help them go. So that's one of the best things you'll ever do in your life. And yeah. she knows that. Yeah. She didn't cry. I did. She didn't cry. I think we're going to cry a lot today. I think so. I think is what's going to happen. <sighs> you guys can talk now because I don't think. I'm <laughs> so um, the reason I was thinking about grief today is because um, my best friend died two years ago today from breast cancer. And it was like unexpected because we just knew she was going to make it. Like I, I have several friends who have had breast cancer and everybody has survived. And, you know, like two days before she was walking laps around the football field. She was talking to me on the phone. She was like, yesterday was my mom's birthday. And so she had reached out to tell my mom happy birthday. And then the night of February 8th, she was just unexpectedly gone and has three kids about the same age as my kids. And like, this is the kind of friend that, that like our moms were pregnant together. So that um, womb to tomb kind of best friend, you know, from West Side Story, story womb to tomb. And I've never heard like, that term. Yeah, womb to tomb. Uh, there's a less appropriate version of that. But, um, you know, like we were we were friends our whole lives. Yeah. And I just, I think for me, I feel so upset that she's not still here because I feel bad that I'm still living without her. Yeah. And at the same time, I also don't really know how to. Yeah. Um, and it's that expectation. So I think that's, that's my point here. If there is one that when you have an expectation about how things should go, that when that expectation is taken from you, it makes the grief, I don't know, heavier, um, angrier, um, more painful. My, my dad passed away. Um, and I can talk about that, but your parents are supposed to die before you. There's, yeah. there's some expectation there. So it was awful, but this was just so much different because we, she was 40 years old yeah. and we have this whole, future together. And we were the kind of friends that even if we didn't talk for six months, as soon as we were together, it was like we were never apart. And we lived most of our lives at a distance from one another. But the way that she would just show up in my life, like when I needed her to be there, yeah. um, I just, it, you can't replace something like that. But like, what a profound privilege I had to know her and to learn from her and to, to be part of her whole life. Yeah. From the very beginning of her life, she was two weeks older than me. So I guess she lived 16 days without me. <laughs> and then we were, I mean, for her whole life. Yeah. So that's why I'm thinking about it today. And last year, I think I cried all day on this day. And today I thought, no, that's not going to happen. I'm not going <laughs> to cry all day, but I, I reached out to some of her family and they just said, it just never gets better. Does it? Does, does cry make you feel better? 
Man, no. So sometimes it does. <laughs> no, like I, I hate it's super hard, like in an hour <laughs> for like two minutes, and then I'm like, I'm done now. I feel better sometimes. No, not for me. I hate it. I hate everything about it. So, but I'm learning to like, grief is not linear. Grief doesn't have a start yeah. or an end. It's like waves. I think some days you can wade in them and some days you're pulled under by them. Good way to look at so, it. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's why I'm thinking about it today. Yeah. I mean, at least like you work in a field where this is not uncommon like you know in orthopedics i'm not saying you don't lose patients but like you work in one where the, the likelihood is right. it's you know it sort of looms so the conversations around this either personally or professionally like it's not it's more common for what you do in oncology yeah but i mean it doesn't necessarily make it easier <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and i i know that's not what you're you're no, saying no. at all but i do feel like It's, it's almost easier to grieve for me, for me, it's yes, almost easier person. to grieve my patients because there is a line of yeah. like, right. that's professional Elise and professional Elise cries with patients for patients. But for me, I think the grief is hardest when it crosses into that personal, like, especially when I have a relationship with the patient, yeah. you know, like I've worked with them for a long time. It's a, you know, like you just really bond with some people. Oh, it and yeah, it it doesn't get easier for me. Like over the past almost six years, I've been doing this. I think I almost just I don't get better at grieving. I'm just more of like, all right, this is like it's it's gonna be okay to grieve this patient. Be and I can still hold that space and then show up for my next patient. And because it's okay. you're, because you're familiar, you're, it's not the first time. It's not the 10th time. Like, is it, is it like, uh, okay, this I is going to suck, but I understand sort of what this feels like. I do. I do think I've now had that practice almost of like, I know what it feels like to grieve a patient and I know what I need to do to grieve that patient. I know how I need to grieve that patient But I will like just for the listeners sake, that has not like that does not cross into my personal life because my personal grieving has been a wild ride. Yeah, but, <laughs> and it right, is. but you know, even professional least, like that's your personal that's you. So like where's work right. life balance? Like there's life and work is part of life. So like when you grieve and work, like that's your life. Like, but some things are closer, some things are heavier, some things are deeper, yeah. some things mean not that, that patient doesn't mean a lot that's their life is it's like means you or whatever yeah so it's it's just different right and there's no right yeah. like my you know i have a brother my brother and i like a vastly wild <laughs> same parents wildly different and that's that's okay i mean uh, i'll have him on the show again but i have a buddy who's a psychologist and he's not my psychologist he's my buddy who is a psychologist but he'll check up on me but i'm always wondering when jamie's talking to me you're doing that aren't you jamie you're doing the mind thing but he's just asked super good open-ended questions like how's it going and i'm like sucks and then i'll be like normal and that i don't know like him just being like normal is like okay good just want to make sure i'm not crazy so i'm wondering if it's part of how we keep the person in our brain because you know how they say when like yeah. that the, there are different like memories are made in all kinds of different places in your brain and so like if if i asked you to think about 
your mom, you could probably, it has a sound associated with it. It has a smell, it has a place, it has a feeling, it has like it, like there, it's a whole sensory experience. And there are so many of your memories and so much of who you are that's like entangled with that person that you can't compartmentalize very well. But with a patient, I feel like there's still that profound grief, especially for the people in their lives, but they're not so interconnected in all the deep parts of your brain and all the like core memories that you have that I feel like it's less like being amputated versus sometimes grief is like the most traumatic amputation that you can have. And I think it's because they're, they're just in so many different wrinkles. Like look at the words that we use. It's not an accident. Like, you know, part of you. So it's not saying like a patient like doesn't burn and that's a burn. It's on the outside, right? It's it's still you, but like, you know, someone close to you is a part of you and that's, you know, it could be, you know, deeper. Yeah. What do you want people to know who haven't felt what you've felt? Like, what would you, you know, we can play that advice game. Like what advice would you have given to yourself before you had to experience, like, it's kind of like, what would you tell someone who's about to be in a plane crash? It's like, prepare for impact, brace yourself, but not a whole lot that's going to save them from it. But maybe you can give them one piece of advice that they can hold on to um, before they go into it. Cause there's no user manual. This is also, I wanted to bring up, I said this in an episode a couple weeks or months ago, which is school and life are backwards. In traditional school, you get the lesson, and at the end of a lesson, you take a test. And in life, you're given a test, and then hopefully you learn lessons from this. And I feel like someone dying who's close to you is a test. And I don't know if you, maybe I'm, maybe I'm answering my own question, which is there's no lesson you, you can give someone because the lesson comes after. But maybe there's like a, if you could slip yourself a cheat sheet before it, what would you do if you would go back in time? I can there's, tell you. Not a, there's not a right way to do it. Good. My, my kids experienced a profound and shocking and horrific loss of one of their friends who was actually the victim of domestic violence and um, a divorce situation that went really badly. And that was the first person that we had to like talk to them about. And one of my children was hysterical and the other one just shut down. And he had a lot of guilt around not crying and not doing it the right way. And I think I have been that way in several different grieving experiences as well. Sometimes it's a numb feeling. Sometimes it's uh, like, you know, you just cry until you're done. Sometimes it's like horrific anger. Um, And sometimes you can grieve happily. Like you can, you can laugh and you can think back about things that make you feel good, but there's, there's not a right way. It comes for us all differently. And to not like punish yourself if you don't feel like you're grieving enough or you're grieving correctly. That's a good one. I got like, I got pissed because she didn't die. She, my mom didn't die fast. I don't know why there's a difference, but I sat, you know, I sat there and then you get to like soak in it and you're like, this is, is stupid. Like, I hate this. So those stages, right? I mean, I don't even know them. I don't have them up in front of me, but one of them is like denial. Denial, anger. What's denial, anger, acceptance. I know it's acceptance, but there's seven, aren't there? There's a bunch. Bargaining's in there. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Six stages of grief. I was wrong. So this is why the Google is the the greatest (laughs) thing. Um, Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. That's five. What's the, oh, guilt. Guilt is also one. Guilt. Oh, 
subdued the guilt. Fear. Oh, so this this thing that I just pulled up has a bunch of like there's different oh a grief indicators: shock and disbelief. Yeah, when I found out, I found it in a screwed up way. My mom had cancer, so she had that myopathy thing. Came home, had the stroke, went to a, a trauma hospital, then went to acute, then went to subacute. On the way to subacute, I was checking her in, and the nurse. I forget how she even said it. It's like, well, she has the, God, what, it's like a word for cancer. Um, malignancy. She's like, well, oh there's God. the stage four malignancy. And I was like, what? And she was like, and then she saw from the, she like, saw, she was like, and then she like just turned the piece of paper over and circled it. And I was like, she's like, nobody at the hospital told you this. And I was like, oh my God. No. And I'm like, I understand the words you're using. I need you to say that again. And she was like, she has stage four cancer. And I was like, okay, we're in a hallway. I'm at a check-in. Oh and I was, and I think she realized it too, where she was like, nobody told you that there. I'm like, I'm a PT. I'm not a doctor, but like I would, I mean, I guess I am. I can't say that because PTs will get mad at me. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a medical doctor, but I'm like, I know what those words mean. And I'm going to need, this was like, not like wasn't denial. It was like, I'm going to need you to double check that. Yeah. And she was like, she wanted, she wanted to get to LA. She wanted to evaporate, but she was like, I just, she realized what happened. And then I, then I immediately like called my family doctor and I'm using air quotes because my cousin's an NP. She's like the fan, you know, every family has one. And if your family doesn't have one, you are it. And she's the one everybody goes to. And I was like, I'm going to need to repeat words to you. And you're, and I think I know what they mean. And I'm going to need you to tell me if I'm right. She was like, buddy. And I was like, oh my God. Shit. That was a screwed up way to find out. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go murder someone. I did not actually murder anyone, but I definitely, I was like, how do you not? And then I was like, maybe they told her oh and God. she's not telling me. So how do I go give her? And so I was like, what? That was, so that was a little added flavor to the mix. That was fun. But yeah, I told her and she was like, okay. And I was like, I'm going to need you to, repeat back that you understand she's like i get it and i was like all right and then she was like what's for lunch and i was like i don't know but yeah she didn't i mean she didn't cry i was like do you want to say you know i was trying to have these deep conversations with her she's like can you change the channel this one sucks and i was like okay or you know but there's no right finger baby yeah i think so Mm -hmm. I think so. I would, I would probably do something similar, try and yeah. protect my kids. Right. But was that helpful to you? I don't know. I don't know what I was, I wasn't expecting her to say or do anything, but I was like, and then also I was like, you under, like, <clears throat> I was trying not to say it like repeated also. Like, I'm like, I don't know. It's not long because it's stage four and like, that's like months or weeks or months. And she was like, I, yeah, okay. She was more like, ugh, okay. Like if I was like, you know, you know, you got to do something that sucks for like the next couple months. And she was like, ah, oh, fine. I guess I'll just get this over with. And I was like, all right, all right. I'm going to go call grandma now. She's going to fly here. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that was my first one. And that was fun. I mean, I mean, it is nice. You find out like there are people in your life that show up and I don't, you know, this is also like interesting. People, Everybody wants to cook for you which didn't make any sense for me and then makes complete sense for me or send me food. And I'm like, that. why is that a thing? And then you're like, oh, because you don't do anything. You sort of like, but you need to live and eat to live. 
So like someone sending you food or bringing you food or doing anything, that's actually a big deal. I get it now. I, you know, but you don't get it. I'm like, why is it about food? It's like, well, nobody can really help you and they can make a lasagna and you also have to eat and you don't like doing basic human tasks sometimes. I would like somebody to laundry. M yeah, I, but you don't need them to live. You know what I mean? I know, but yeah, I, I'm going to be really like honest on camera here. I needed someone to come and brush my teeth for me because I physically could not brush my teeth. Like could not. Yeah. Basic stuff is like, I, gravity feels heavier. It's like, I can't, I, I don't even, not only do I, can I not do it? I don't freaking, why, why it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of life. Yes. Now you're like, why, who cares about laundry or brushing my teeth? I, I don't, whatever. Like who cares? Yeah. Everything changes. Like I said, I was trying to work and like, God bless everybody who kept paying me. But I wasn't doing a lot. I was showing up. Although I saw a graphic the other day, and it's like this cool, like inspirational graphic. And it was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And it was like different levels of like filled. And like Monday it was like 80%. Tuesday it was like 20%. And it was like when you gave 20% on Tuesday, it's because you had you gave a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. You only had 20. You gave 20. That's mathematically a hundred. But when you're like brushing your teeth, you're like, I I don't know see the point so i'm just not going to do that and you're like okay so just don't like you i mean all the dentists out there are screaming brush your teeth like, <laughs> one day dude or a week grand scheme of things like just don't care like and don't feel bad about the pile of laundry it's like because everything fell away like i stopped podcasting because like all of a sudden in the grand scheme mom's dying doesn't matter right and then i was showing up to work meetings i was there because i was like i gotta you know you have to have a house and mortgage and a you know health insurance but you're like just going through the motions and you see what mattered so i just stayed at the at the subacute place with my mom I got her in a nice room and i just sat there all day if you ask me what i did it was like people were sending me books which was awesome i didn't read one book no i just sat there i couldn't tell you what i did but i sat there for 19 hours a day or whatever what did we talk about mm, stuff I don't. I remember like the big thing. I remember being there, but what the little things? Don't remember. Yeah, it was erased. Well, not to be more of a downer, but not to be a one upper. But then, almost a year to the day, and like that's what divorced parents do, man. Like they're like, oh yeah, your mom did this. Well, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> oh my god! That's <laughs> a stroke a year later. Oh. Thanks, Dad. I know Mom had all the spotlight last year. So yeah, so my dad had a stroke uh, a year later, um, and that sucks. So that's like a different kind of grief. Kathy Cholik, do you guys know Kathy Cholik? She's the uh, mm -hmm. she's a president. I mean, she's a friend first of all. I'm not going to just give her a title, but she's a she's a geriatric physical therapist. She's the president of the geriatric section, and I and I can't remember if she called me or texted me or DM'd me or whatever. And she was like, "That's just so you know, that's grief. Like your dad's alive. That's great." So anyway, so my dad had a stroke, and I have a PT degree. Hey, baby. I know what to do here. Let me help. But no physical issues. No, nothing. Walking in, walking. The talking, the talking was the hard part. I was like, awesome. I am not a speech pathologist. So he had a, he has aphasia. And that was July, a, a year, almost a year of the day, actually. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Jeez. Yeah, almost a year of the day. Super great. Um, so I've been navigating that. 
And but Kathy was like pointing out, she's like, there's grief there because your dad was a certain way and could make decisions and do things that he wanted to, and now he can't. That part of his life is over right now. Maybe he gets some of it back. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to understand that. So that's been fun. There's also grief when you have to take on that caregiver role. Uh, yeah, that's something mm-hmm. that we spent 11 minutes on in PT school. I was like, yeah, caregiving. I get it. Giving care. And then you do it and you're like, holy crap. Again, yeah. trying to have a job and do these yeah. things. And then you're taking care of your dad who's six. I'm five nine. My dad's six foot. He was a, he's a bigger dude, you know, former New York City fireman, lieutenant, leapt tall buildings in a single bound. Like, this is my dad. And now I'm telling him what to do. Sometimes he was okay with that. Sometimes he was very much not okay with that. Yeah. And let me, you know, there were, I mean, there were, yeah, there were scary. I can tell stories. This is very therapeutic, but like, that's sort of, that's, is that grief? And you'd be like, well, no, it's dad's alive. I mean, he is, he's doing, he's doing very well right now, but there are some things I don't know if my dad's going to get back. And I don't know how to deal with that. Well, I think you can grieve for all kinds of lost relationships, even if somebody is still alive. Yeah. So I think I'm doing that. And sometimes people are lost to you and not dead. Oh, see, yeah, these are, these are, these are true. I think that's all I can handle. (laughs) (laughs) Ironically, I know it's going to shock a lot of you. I could just keep going. And I wish, I don't know that you could have told anybody how to prepare for this. No. You know what I mean? I th- and oh, I was gonna I was gonna give advice, my advice, which is people say this advice all the time where they're like, uh, tell them that you love them on a Tuesday when you're 19 years old or 28 or 76, do that, like spend time with them, because that is the thing that matters. Because when you can't and you can tell someone this only so much before they get it. And a lot of times you just can't get it until you get it. But like spend time with them. It's like, I don't know, I'm gonna stay home tonight or I'm gonna go out to dinner with my mom it's like go to dinner but i need some away time and i'm not saying don't you know and spend every minute but like one day you won't be able to do it and you're gonna be pissed at it i wish i had known this earlier but i'm i'm learning it now and that's okay but emotionally i like to be in control i like to hold super tight And I have to let go and not like out of control, but what I've learned and these are like happy tears and sad tears all at the same time. As I ride the wave of grief waves, instead of holding on so tightly and trying to keep control, I'm feeling the deepest lows and the highest highs. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like, I feel alive for probably the first time in a long time, because instead of just feeling in this box here, I feel that. And like, I'm personally working on crying more. <laughs> um, <laughs> hard no because that is actually a really, really hard thing for me to do. But like actually crying when I'm sad. And that has really helped me over the last year. And I think I'm I'm not like 
seeking out opportunities to be sad and cry about things. But when I feel those things, I do cry. And that almost for me right now is making me appreciate that much more of like the time that I did have with that person. And that's been really cool for me. Yeah. I mean, I talked about this is, um, you know, while my mom was, well, you know, in the last couple of months of her life, I was like, <clears throat> yeah, you do a lot of self-reflection, right? So I'm sitting there with her. And again, she's yeah. not talking or caring about stuff. She's like, why are we watching Wheel of Fortune? And I'm like, let's talk about deeper stuff. So I, she didn't ask me, <laughs> you know, but I was like, I'm going to do something cool um, to change the world. I'm going to do it in your name. And she was like, okay. <laughs> she was like, great. You know, past the ranch. And I was like, what? And so that's where that event that I threw last year, and I talked about this a little bit, that's where that party at, at CSM came about, yeah. which I was like, I just want to show my mom, even though she's not here, we do it in her name. And, you know, I got slick or clever when I put her name in the logo, but I hit it in plain sight. So, this, you know, for those who haven't seen the logo, I'll share it. But it's, it was party with a purpose. And I told the graphic designer, uh, I'm like, hide her name in plain sight somehow. And he got all clever. And so he, he made in the word party he made the p and the a and the t capital because her name was pat and i was oh. like so once so there was a lot to that party um because like you know everything it's simple but not easy right i got funding and then this person falls through and then it's not going to happen and then this thing says um you know it's too much money or whatever so it you know to an event it's not sh it's not up and to the right like you get it's success is not that way it's like it, so there was moments when this thing wasn't happening so I called my buddy who's a graphic designer and I said, make a logo. And I gave him that prompt and he did. And then as soon as I saw it, I was like, now it's real. And now it was, it was, it's, 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 it wasn't, it's not like I discount that whole idea of the secret, like the universe is, you know, all powerful. As soon as I had a logo on my chest, I probably came off different in all my pitch meetings. And I was like, we're going to change. And I never brought up the fact that it was for my mom. I didn't want that to be why people did it. But I was like, we're going to change the world. I'm going to throw a banger of a party. And you're going to be there. At, your company's going to have a logo on it. And you're going to spend the... And I'd stop and I'd just... But you're going to spend 15 grand anyway. I'm just going to spend it better. And they were like, all right. But that was my way of being like, all right, I need to do something active to um, give a nod to my mom. And I was a little upset that I didn't get to do... Because my idea was now I want to have Party With A Purpose 2 and 3 and 17. I want 17 years from now. And then my dad goes and has a stroke. And I'm like, I have no, I have no bandwidth to do anything. I can't brush my teeth. You know, I was the same way. I was like, I can't do make food. I can't throw a charity party. I do not have the mental capacity. Yeah. I'll do it again. I've actually already got an idea for next year. It's coming to Texas. CSM's in Texas. Sure is. Instead of hiding it, what if we did a TEDx? What if we got a TEDx license? And it cannot be a there's a lot of TEDx rules. It can't be attached to like sponsors. There's a lot of rules. But I'm like, and then you can't like make money. You can't sell tickets to it. I just talked to a guy who got a TEDx license. And I'm like, that's sort of why people come to CSM anyway. Like there's the McMillan lecture, but that's not a TED talk. So I was like, why don't we do that? That's a cool way to not just, hey, Jimmy's just the guy who throws party and parties and does bourbon tastings. I was like, yeah, but you, you could do the same change the world vibe with the TEDx talk. So, but you're also celebrating your mom with the party because she loved a party. Correct. Party with a purpose. Yeah, she she would have loved that party because there was food and vibe and band and alcohol and slides and cargo nets and people were just being goofs. And I'm like, that's stuff. So anyway. 
You were all productive. I just got tattoos. Did you get a tattoo? Oh yeah, I got What's one that? for my one for my dad and one for my friend. I got this one. You can't really see it from where you are. It says it's it private. is well on it. And yeah. that's for my dad. And then I got this one, which is kind of like the mountains and the ocean. She was definitely like the ocean girl and I was the mountain girl. She was like, you know, go with the flow. Like she's a beautiful human that could go with the flow and circle the earth and and like support life wherever she went, you know. And I'm just like this like rigid mountain. Um, but she would always come to the mountain, you know what I mean? And like bring that flow with her. So that's what I got for her and what, for my dad. What was the one? Why? Why? You gave a description about the a mountain and the, and the ocean. What about yeah. the one for your dad? Like, talk to me about that one. So my dad was a minister, which people who know me probably think it's funny that I'm a preacher's kid. And I'm not really a religious person now. But um, one of my favorite things about going to church, actually, I think was my dad. I don't think it was like mm. the church stuff itself, because listening to him teach every week basically was really amazing. But I also really liked the singing and one of my favorite songs and his favorite songs was it is well and it was written by a man who lost his entire family at sea his wife and his children drowned at sea and um and it's like basically whatever happens i know it is well in my soul and so i remember that like when i'm missing my dad and when i'm having trouble processing that grief and when like i feel like it's not fair that he didn't get to meet all of his grandchildren like I just remind myself, you know, like I can just like rub that spot. It is well, like it's cool. It's okay. My brother so. and I, my brother's got a bunch of tattoos and we talked about, like I had a moment where I was like, let's get tattoos for mom. And then I was like, I couldn't think of any, I, like I, I have no tattoos. He has a bunch and I can't, I couldn't think of anything. So I was like, I don't want to just do it just to do it. So maybe there'll be a moment. So I always ask that question, like why that, you know, why that one and how did you do it? But, I'm also indecisive and tattoos are, you know, pretty permanent things. They mostly. are mostly they are. I've got this one for my kids. That's my That's celebration cool. tattoo. Yep. So nice. did you ever hear about the study on tattoo art, tattoo artists and pain? It was like a pain scientists who wound up like interviewing a bunch of tattoo artists. And it was, you know, it's obviously a subjective study. I'll, I'll put it in the notes or somebody will find it. Maybe Rebecca will find it. And the idea was, they talk to people getting tattoos and tattoo artists because you're the person doing it. And they said when the tattoo is overall, and obviously it's a lot of anecdotes strung together, but the tattoo, when the tattoo is about something positive, people report that it hurts less. And when the tattoo is about something painful, it hurts more. And the oh. idea was like, Oh, does the brain influence pain? It's like, well, no, it's pain is pain. And they're like, uh, so obviously more, you know, and this is how researchers stay in business. More research would need to be done in this area to confirm the fun or to find out more. But that it was like, interesting. I, I just like the, I like the non-traditional approach of like, let's go ask doctors or pain scientists about pain. They were asking tattoo artists and people getting tattoos. Cause the, cause the, the stimulus is similar, right? It's a, it's a needle going at X number of, jabs a second and you know it takes time and yada yada but they were reporting that what how the tattoo what it was about affected how much pain they felt they reported i don't feel like tattoos are really painful so and other people would uh disagree with that. 
yeah. So I don't, <laughs> I don't have anything anecdotal to contribute to that because one of them is kind of a happy tattoo, and then I've got three that are kind of not. And well, you should just have that T-shirt that says, "I have a high pain tolerance." That's that would be you. No, like I mean, uh, I'm going through surgical rehab. I almost like cried at PT last night. So uh, no, I do not. But yeah. tattoos apparently don't bother me. Right. Right. Or it could be how you view them, which is like how we go into pain where oh, pain is by, you know, you got the whole like it's biological, it's psychological, it's a mix, it's social, right? Yeah. There's a mix. There's biology of the needle hitting your skin and doing the thing. That's bio. There's psycho, what you think and feel about it. And then there's the social. What's the, what would the social be here? I, my, my analogy went to, I got to 66% of my analogy. Well, I guess how what society, what society says a tattoo is supposed to do. Right. Why you get it on the outside of your skin to show the world. That's the social part. I think if I'm wrong, someone else uh, uh, correct me. That's the beautiful about these things. I get DMs like, um, so you mentioned it at minute 34. You said this. That was wrong. And I'm like, you're right. But I was doing it live at the speed of life. And you <laughs> you could Google things after me. But most of the time, the people are super nice about it when they correct me. And I like to be corrected because I'd rather get it right. Anyway, all right. Well, thank you for the therapy session. How do you want to wrap up? What are our parting shots for today? Yeah, these have to be beat. beat. They don't have to be. Don't set the bar low. They don't have to be deep and prophetic. They just be make it real. What would you want to leave people with? Well, I thought of an intro, um, but I'm just going to oh. use it for the outro here. Okay. We started the conversation talking about state shapes. And the states come in all different shapes, like grief. Ah, yes. And there's no right shape and no wrong there's shape. No right shape. Although Florida's a little suspect. You know I mean, what kind of we'll give like. Florida grief a pass on this yeah. one. Yeah. Rebecca? Um, I think sometimes like grief feels like something very personal, but sometimes it can be overwhelming. And if you can't carry it by yourself, mm. it's okay to do something like this and share it with other people. It's okay to ask mm. for help. Um, so don't just experience it how you experience it. And if you need you need somebody to help you carry it there are people that will do that and that i will yes and that it, you can call someone to talk about it while you're grieving and you don't have to talk to them about grief yeah you know what i mean you're like what's up what's up with them rangers how they doing you know and then it might come up because that's the whole thing right ever uh vivek murthy together he mm -hmm. said like women talk to each other and guys talk next to each other mm -hmm. i don't know if i would call someone and be like hi i'm sad can we talk but i might call and like talk for a while and then be like sort of miss my mom like that's talking next to it you know what i mean instead of being like i would like to go out and have wine and talk about this grief that i'm feeling i would never say that doesn't mean it's wrong it's just not right for me i would just repeat people have always said it better so i would say that uh grief is the unexpressed love that we didn't get to share with people so uh, look at it that way and it's sort of like nah, it's a good thing it's a reminder it's a souvenir of that person's life and what they meant on you and i think that's a better way to look at it so you know what that's my story and i'm sticking to it so thank you guys